Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades' experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to A Voice for Love. This is Surya, and I'm very excited today to introduce my special guest to you, Laisela. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Reverend Laisela, I should say. <laughs> um, please, please tell everyone a little bit about yourself for anyone who doesn't know you. Well, uh, I'm Reverend Laisela. I'm here in Beverly Hills, California. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. And I'm a mother of an adult son and the grandmother of two amazing girls. So he gave me my girls. Uh, I am a, the lead pastor and founder of Rebirth Humanity, uh, which reflects from Los Angeles to Houston and beyond. And I also am a small business owner. So I own several companies and entities that are reflective of wellness, uh, counseling, and uh, all things holistic. Wonderful. Yes, amazing. Thank you so much for, for joining us here. I just love, um, we connected very sort of synchronistically many years ago on Instagram and we've always been, you know, supportive of one another. And I've been attending your wonderful uh, services on Zoom now because they're happening on Zoom. So I'd love to know, how did you come to be in ministry? Was that a calling that you felt from the time you were small or was it something that evolved or how did that come about? Oh, that's a really great question because ministry chose me. I didn't choose it. Uh, I started out in ministry actually myself at age five. Uh, my mother is, uh, is one of 10 and all of my grandmother's daughters sing. So uh, we had a traveling gospel group with my grandmother and all of my aunties. And we traveled all over the southern region of the United States, singing at different uh, churches and television engagements, radio engagements. And uh, I, was, I always felt like I was kind of the gimmick of the group because I was five years old and I would oftentimes open up for them a cappella. And I believe that's when God started me in ministry. And I love that feeling of making people feel good. So, but even further back than that, I am a fifth generation seer prophet. So that's kind of how really ministry chose me. But I think the singing portion was the God's stair steps for me to prepare for such a time as this. Wow. Yeah. I love hearing you sing. You have an amazing voice and you, you do, but you sing at the end of the church sometimes or throughout the service. And I love it. I'm like, damn, she's got a voice. So it's so lovely to hear you sing. What a wonderful story. You know, it's, it's really interesting because um, growing up in the church, also I saw a lot of things that you probably would want to see, which deterred me from ministry. Uh, I remember being seven or eight years old and seeing some things behind the scenes before we went to sing at a different space or place. And I would go to my mother or my late grandmother and say, did you see that? What they're doing isn't right. You know, uh, I was very concerned about things that were right or righteous or justice very early on. And, and over the years, I uh, and I didn't see a lot of women leading in ministry, although my grandmother was definitely a force to be reckoned with. I have a funny story of uh, two grandmothers, both who are now with the Lord. But my mother's mother was the holy, righteous woman of holiness. And she was prophetic. And people would often come to her for prayer at her house or healing uh, but she was recognized in the church as like one of the mothers of the church. My father's mother, my my uh, paternal grandmother, was quite the uh, 
quite the, you know, the, the rock star type uh, who uh, would have great parties at her house on Saturday nights and then show up at church on Sunday with her sunglasses and maybe just a little nip of, of wine on her breath from her party that night. So I was blessed to have both worlds and me to uh, enjoy life while doing ministry. But by the time I was in, uh, in high school, I just... I was excited that I served under a pastor and was involved in ministry that really supported women in ministry, but I still didn't see any other than my grandmother kind of being behind the scene, who was now in another city and state because we had relocated uh, years prior. Um, but by the time I got to college, I was very adamant about not being involved in ministry. Uh, my pastor had died of leukemia in Houston, and uh, they brought in another pastor who was honestly just anything but godly. Uh, I tell the story pu publicly and openly that he stalked me. Uh, he, he came into our, uh, our, our church and was very adamant about pursuing the younger women in the church. Uh, we left the church, and I left the church during that time, and that was in my 20s. So throughout that time, I really kind of would visit places and I knew I had a calling on my life, but I, I told God, and if you're listening, don't ever tell God what you're not going to do. <laughs> but I did as being very naive and headstrong. And I told God that I would never do ministry because they were hypocrites. And fast forward to now you have your own, your own ministry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I what what ended up happening was they finally found a place where I saw uh, a pastor that was true and had a heart for people and that genuinely did the work because he loved it and didn't have an ulterior motive. You know, he was successful in business before he became a pastor. Like he he left his calling on Wall Street and went to uh, the ministry side. And I, I saw a lot of myself because fast forward, I was involved in corporate America. I was making lots of money. I was successful. I was miserable because every time I went to see a client or, or a patient, because I was in the medical device research, uh, I would ask them, do they need prayer? Do you need prayer before the surgery? Yes, I do. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray for you but it's not on behalf of the company. So if anyone asks if I pray for you, I'm just going to not recall this prayer, but let's pray. So it depended on where I was in the country or outside of the country, different regions are different, but our patients were going to surgery. And my uncle who is in the military uh, says there are no atheists in the foxhole. So everyone wants prayer when they're about to go under. This began to birth and give me a rebirth experience of ministry. So as I travel by plane, by train, uh, by private car or driver, or wherever I was, I ended up starting to give people prophecies, sitting in the airports, and God would give me prophetic words for people that would literally sometimes change their lives on site. One of the most interesting stories was a woman who sat next to me on the plane. I was on a very known airlines and she was in the window looking out sobbing and uh, she, she was crying and crying and the Holy Spirit began to give me words of revelation for her, words of wisdom and knowledge for her. And I tapped on the shoulder and said, I don't want to bother you, but I want to share these words with you. And she said, sure. And I said, your husband is going to come for you. And she said, what, what do you mean? And I said, I know that you're having problems right now. And you have fled your house to be with him. And I said, but he is going to come back for you. So she had left him. And then she went back to him. And then she was leaving again. Uh, and then she began to weep and cry. And she said, that's exactly what happened. And I said, he'll be returning for you. But when he does, open your arms and receive him with love. None of us are perfect. And she cried and cried and cried and cried. But fast forward, another story that really changed my life and required me to accept God's will was when I uh, was on a flight to Kansas City from Houston, Texas. 
and I was very exhausted. It was a 5.30 a.m. flight. I was annoyed that I was on this flight, and I said, God, don't give me a word for anyone because I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to sleep. Please, thank you. And uh, as the flame began to descend, the Holy Spirit began to give, deal with me and give me a word for a woman who was on the opposite side of the plane, three rows up. And I said, really, God? I said, I, I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm, I'm exhausted. I have to go straight to surgery uh, when I land. And the Holy Spirit did something to me that those who know me well knows that I don't do. I had to go to the bathroom on the plane. But I had made a barter with God. I said, if she looks me in the eyes, I'll just give her the word. Fine. Well, that was impossible. She was on the opposite side of the plane, three rows up from me. That means her back would always be to me. But because I had to go to the restroom, and I don't use the restrooms on planes, uh, when I got out of the restroom, who was looking me in the eye? The woman that God had given me the word for. So there I was, upset that I had to give her a word. So... When I opened the bathroom door and she was looking me in the eyes, I could see the helplessness in her eyes. And my heart sank. So I went to my seat. I still didn't say anything because I was still wrestling with God. And as the plane began to descend to our destination of Kansas City, there, there I was sitting there going, okay, I hear you. So I said, excuse me, can you touch him to touch her to touch? And everyone's touching and tapping to finally get to her. And she turns around and I said, can I talk to you after the flight? She goes, me? And I go, yes, you. She goes, sure. I'm like, that was easy. So she waits for me and we go down the corridor together. And I said, I know this sounds crazy, but God gave me a revelation for you. And I'm a prophet. And I think I have something to tell you. She goes, okay. I said, you want to go to the bathroom and talk about it? She goes, sure. So she has her baby in her arms and she's getting off the flight and her husband is waiting for her at the gate. She hands, them, hands the baby to her husband and says, I need to talk to her. I'll be right back. We go to the restroom. We're in the handicap stall. I take her hands and I said can I pray with you first she said yes after I prayed with her I began to prophesy over her life and she wept and you know what she said to me she said as I was on the flight I began to cry out to God and I said if you don't want me to divorce my husband you better give me a sign today right now she said you see I flew into Kansas City to ask him for a divorce and because you're here today, I can't. Wow. So that's why it's so important for us to answer the call of whatever we were created to do. I, I chills went through my body because there I was wanting to be, you know, rebellious with God and not give her prophecy. There's no coincidence we're having this conversation today because I am not always obedient with my relaying of messages to people and things. And it's because I just don't know what to say. And I don't know if it's like intrusion on somebody and like, I'll get these messages for people. And I'm like, what? Like, you want me to say what? So I usually just ask people if they want to know. And sometimes they say no, and sometimes they don't, but I definitely don't always. Uh, so I admire your conviction in that because that's been a tough one. I don't think it's a conviction. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. So when you get to a point where you're surrendered to the will of God, then you know there's no other option. At that phase in my life, we're talking, you know, when I was probably in my late 20s or early 30s, I'm a little older now, uh, I was still wrestling with my calling and what that looked like, which is a normal part of the process of whatever you were created to do uh, for those, especially with supernatural gifts gifting, uh, because it can be very uh, challenging or difficult. Um, but what I typically do with, depends on the person, if I'm in a church setting or a ministry setting or a setting with other people who are involved in spirituality, there's a different approach. Uh, but with someone in what we would call the world or the marketplace or in business or in just everyday life, then I would say, you know, I know this sounds really strange, but I just have this feeling or I've been, I discern, is that right? And you ask them questions. And then the conversation goes on from there. But I, I'm fortunate that 
that grandmother that I talked about earlier spent uh, many hours in her prayer closet. And I was a four and five year old who would be in the prayer closet with her. Mm-hmm. So the Lord used her while my parents were at work and before and after school, you know, everyone was, uh, most people were able to go to grandma's right after school or maybe before school. And in our community, uh, she would pray over me. And I would pray with her. It was so long. I would ask for snacks. You know, can we get snacks? We've been in here forever. Uh, but it prepared me for these moments that her prayers are, 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 have manifested. You know, they come to pass that I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Who would think that a woman would be able to go forth on a platform and prophesy and preach that came from a small town in Alabama who's now in Los Angeles? These were their wildest dreams. So uh, I have no choice for the sake of my ancestors to go forth and for the sake of the women that came before me who had no voice in the church that were honored as mothers of the church or whatever they had these titles, but they were never honored as a pastor, a prophet, an evangelist, an elder, uh, you know, or a leader. Uh, But here here I am uh, on their behalf. So, yeah, I, I just do it now. Um, one of the strangest stories, I kind of believe that it's like a boot camp uh, through the Holy Spirit because when you begin to take these leaps of faith, you become more accurate and confident and comfortable in your gifting. And these are some of the ways that, that God will train you uh, to be better at your gift and trust the gift. Now, I, I have had some prophetic training in the ministry I was involved in many years ago, and it was definitely a blessing. And I have had prophetic training from my grandmother and also my mother, uh, who is a prophet as well, and she works in medical world Um, but there's nothing like the training of the holy spirit so holy spirit tests me many times one of the funniest scenarios was i was in a here in california i was in a walmart and i had only been in california maybe 12 months so i didn't know very many people i'm just trying to get some grocery and here comes the holy spirit tap 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 i'm like not today god no 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 i just need to get my grocery and study because i was in grad school at the time in seminary and uh i was no you you have to tell this word so it was like i was on a i was in boot camp because i had several prophetic words i had to give to people in the walmart one in particular man he he looked at me and and i saw it in his eyes and then i said did you recently go through a divorce he goes no and he said, I said, so you haven't been through a divorce? No. I said, have you had some type of long-term relationship that, that, that caused a breakup or ended in a breakup? No. I said, something in your life that was long-term has severed, has been severed. See, sometimes God will push you to push them and then test your obedience. Because when you've been in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and in the counsel of the most high God, you know that you know that you know you've heard from God. Especially for those who are prophetic, oftentimes you will go through seasons of separation, isolation, and those seasons are for moments when you know that you heard from God. So I didn't look in the eyes and I said, no, you've had some type of major severing or separation or divorce. And he, he paused and he gave a sigh. He said, I was in partnership with a business, with a business partner for 25 years and we just dissolved the business. I said, well, that's a divorce. And he said, yeah, it is. And I said, well, I know this sounds crazy, but God sent me to tell you that he loves you and that he is proud of you and the heart of benevolence that you have, he sees it and don't stop being you because he's going to bring things back together for you because of your heart to give to people. It's gonna work out for you. He just froze in Walmart. And I was like, I'm out of here. And I walked off. So I don't go on with long conversations with them usually after I give a word, unless I'm led to pray for them. Because see, these people will start thinking that you're an angel. An angel, you know, an angel showed up, like touched by an angel. They think you're not real. You're like, nope, I pinch myself, Nate. Nope, I'm all here. I'm real. <laughs> God uses people. Uh, but the next scenario in that same Walmart was a man, he, he looked like he worked a blue collar job. He had on a uniform with his name on it, you know, the light blue shirt with the dark blue pants and, and a hat. And you could tell he had worked his full shift and he was exhausted. 
And there, there was a tap from the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, great. So I looked at him and I said, did you recently apply for another job? He goes, huh? I said, you recently applied for another job. And he goes, me? I said, yes, you. Just you and I here. He said, I did. And I said, and God says, the job is yours. He's heard your prayers. And he goes mental in the wall. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was like running like, what? And I, I just like burned out of there. Like I didn't even talk to him after. But these were those moments that are so interesting, but so much fun of how God grooms us for more. Because to whom much is given, much is required. That's what the scripture says. But also, it allows us to grow in our confidence in our gifts and graces, but also completely rely on the higher power, on God himself. Oh, that's also beautiful. Actually, you know, when I, I was very much guided to start this podcast and I didn't really know what, what it was at first, but as it kind of started going, then what God said to me was, bring people on who have stories of miracles to share because people need to have their faith boosted by hearing about miracles. Because I think for people like us, we know we've witnessed so many miracles and had them ourselves. We know that it's real, but so many people, they still don't. And especially right now during this time, you know, people need hope and they need faith. And, um, you know, it's like Jesus said, he said, you know, everything I do that you can do more. And I do feel that Mm -hmm. God is really preparing us to help co-create and be receptors for like major miracles for people. And I think we're going to see a lot collectively happening soon. Like on the other side of, I I remember you said something like that, actually. So you are, I have to tell you, you're like the Instagram (laughs) prophet (laughs) for me because you have so many things that you even just said on the post. And again, I don't think you even know who you're talking to, but like one day you're like, um, you said, whoever is jealous of you is going to be revealed this week. And I don't know if you ever, I've ever told you this story, but, um, so anyway, I saw the post and I was like, okay, whatever. And, um, then I was having an interaction with somebody via text and all of a sudden they dropped off. And when I was communicating with them for somebody and I had this thought like, oh, they're jealous of me. And the moment I had that thought, my, my water fell over, my laptop fell, the water almost fell on top. Like it was like this huge thing. And I knew in that moment, and this person has actually said to me over the years, I'm jealous of you. I want what you have. But I thought it was a joke. And I realized it's not a joke. And since then, there's been so many revelations that this individual, you know, I have love for this individual, but it was revealed to me. I can't have them too close to me because they do not wish. To, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the only time that was the most like intense time that happened. But I was like, wow, I'm like, she's the real deal. Like you just threw that out there for, but I guess that's another example of, you know, trusting, right. You probably didn't yes. know who you were speaking to in that moment. And maybe I wasn't the only person who received that message. You may not even know because not everyone tells you, right. Right. I, I do get a lot of text messages and phone calls and, and emails from people who have given prophecies to from, you know, a day ago to 10 years ago that come back to me and say, you gave me this word and it came to pass. Uh, but, but I believe that it's just being obedient to the spirit and everyone can prophesy if the spirit comes upon them. Uh, I, I was leading a worship service and uh, at a church that I was uh, visiting and uh, the spirit, the Holy Spirit was so heavy. The, what we in Hebrew, the Nataf, the glory was so thick. That a five-year-old little blonde-headed girl started prophesying. And it was a powerful moment. And the people uh, are not as spiritually inclined. They didn't even know what was happening. They were just so excited that I was there and I was going to give a prophecy. But their own began to prophesy. And she got up and she said, God says someone here is afraid. And don't be afraid. You're not alone. And she began to just build out this beautiful prophetic word. Uh, and it was in tandem with literally something I had said earlier. And she was asleep during that time, you know, on her mother's lap. So we all can prophesy as we surrender to the spirit. And then there are those who have prophetic tendencies where they often get prophetic and, you know, they have that connection. And then there are those of us who are prophets, who is just who we are, what we do, you know, eat, breathe, sleep it, 
all the time. So everyone has that gift. Some people call it intuition. Some people call it a sixth sense. But everyone was created with that gift. But most people don't connect with the source enough to surrender to those moments because God doesn't leave us in the dark. He loves us. So he puts us in the know if we want to be in the know. Right. And a lot of people don't want to be in the know. They're just no. like, they're just they're like, like yeah, like they're like, I'll see how this works out. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so that's interesting then. So it sounds like, cause I know a lot of people that were, they had prophetic gifts as children and then they sort of tossed them away at some point and then came back to them. But so did you ever sort of toss them out the window or did you, no, it doesn't sound like it. Um, well, a couple things. Remember, I grew up in the house. I'm a fifth generation prophet on my mother's side. And then recently found out my father's prophetic. He was the one who had tossed his gift away. And I'm like, wait, two prophets married each other? My parents have been married almost 50 years. And uh, my father is a seer prophet. Some prophets receive prophetic unctions, but they don't see, right? So there's a difference between in the Christian world, seer prophets and prophets. Prophets will just receive a bubbling of the Holy Spirit and say something they know God is doing. Those of us who are seer prophets, we receive open visions, we receive dreams, and we can see spirits and different things that are going on when we look at a person, right? So it's not the same. And my father is, uh, as my mother, he's a seer prophet. And so am I. So my father tossed his gifts away because he was the child that no one believed when he would have these dreams about things that were going to happen. They thought it was nuts. So he tossed his gifts away until he was later in his age of now and started calling me and saying, I had this dream. Every time he had these dreams, they would happen. Or he'd ask me, what, it, what does this dream mean? And it would be something that would manifest the next day or a week later or something. So it was my dad. But I did go through a and I believe when I was at the end of undergraduate in college, I was about 20 or 21, people would call me so much for prophecy that I felt like I was turning it into people's personal psychic, which is not the design for a Christian perspective. Uh, so I shut the gift down and I just wouldn't prophesy. I was like, I'm done with this. Uh, but as a child, having the gift of prophecy or for someone who's listening who may believe their children have these gifts, you have to monitor them closely because we see a lot of things early on that are kind of scary. But because I had parents and grandparents who understood the gift, it was nurtured and supported. Uh, so you will find that these children may have strong reactions to certain people places and things is because they're picking up the energy of what's going on in those environments and they don't like it. Trust them when they say they don't like it because it's for a reason or they just don't like a person or a scenario because they have the gifts. So uh, my son is also prophetic uh, and uh, it's early. We'll see about my granddaughter's. Oh, I bet she's got it. She's adorable, by the way. And I just, there are two of them, two of them. There are two of them. Two of them. Oh, well, I, I don't know if I've seen them both, but the one I saw some pictures of the they're just adorable. And what a, what a beautiful story that was too. how you got the it's like the daughter that you always wanted, but a granddaughter. And I mean, we're, 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 people will be listening to this and they can't see you, but you look like you are like the definition of forever 21. I'm like she's everyone so who I brought to the church service. They're like, how old is she? I'm like, I don't know, but she looks 20. I'm like, she's a grandmother. So what are your, um, what are your beauty secrets? Oh, you're so sweet. You know, I will say the first beauty secret is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It really, really is because some of my friends came to me and said, you know, have you lost some weight or something? This was about six or seven years ago or so. I said, no, I've lost spiritual weight, dead weight. And when you begin to forgive people, I believe, uh, I always jokingly call it the Benjamin Buttons anointing, where you start just aging backwards, you know, because you let some things go that really have held you bound and had you just bound by these things. And, and, and for me, it's prayer and meditation and, of course, exercise. Genetics definitely play a role, but that connection to God every day, I believe, has just renewed my spirit and uh, allowing that light to shine. Because sometimes we, we deny the light, right? It doesn't help to have some good skin regimens and, and uh, you know, whatever works for your skin type. But I believe one of the biggest things was forgiveness, water and the living water through the love of God. So those really changed everything for me. And I literally can look at pictures of myself before I started the process of forgiveness and healing. 
from things that I had dealt with in my own past to current and I don't even look like the same person. People were like, does she have some work done? I'm like, yeah, Jesus work, you know, God work, <laughs> healing work, spiritual work, but no work. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Cause I, I, the same with myself, I, I can say that, you know, maybe a few little extra, like little lines here and there, yeah, but I am, like, yeah, even my face structure, like there's more definition from when I was like in my early twenties. And so it's very interesting. And I noticed that difference between the people that I know who are sort of doing the work spiritually and not, it shows. And actually one of my friends has this great story. She had just done like, um, like, you know, a healing session or prayer or something like that. And then she went out and actually she ran into a nun. And the nun asked her, have you just been praying? Because I could see a halo around your face. So prayer and meditation and all of this actually really legitimately like it because you bring more light and the light of God into your body and your, your being. And then it actually shows and you become radiant. And the things that, you know, I do in, in Christianity, we call a deliverance ministry where people who may be carrying uh, strongholds that aren't from God on from the other side. Uh, those things too will have you looking dark. Um, so we say that demonic entities will oppress, suppress, and depress you. And if they can do that spiritually, spiritual things manifest naturally. So people that I work with in my company, the Spiritual Bomb, we um, a lot of those clients I work with them with spiritual wellness and spiritual healing and spiritual matters. I always tell them to take a selfie of themselves when they start the journey and then take one at the end of the journey, you know, at the three-week period and the six-week period, and they look completely different. It's a powerful process of transformation. Mm -hmm. oh, that's really powerful. Yeah, I've seen that many times with both myself and clients as well. Like I know um, uh, my friend and I actually went for some prayer at like a deliverance ministry type, ministry type place last mm -hmm. year and we walked out and she looked at me and she's like, you look 16. <laughs> And I looked and I looked in the mirror and I was like, wow, I really do. Like it's it's incredible. So if people haven't found a motivation, maybe that will motivate some people to to get closer to God. It's one of the nice side effects. <laughs> it is, and you know, and, and thinking about that when you you going back to miracles, you talked about miracles and and how people during to this moment, this hour that we're in that's so difficult and dark, God still works miracles. It's the same God. It's not the God of the Bible. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He changes not God. I wouldn't say he because God is another male or female in my belief. God is God, bigger than gender. Uh, so having said that, God. Uh, one day, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, I'm really having a hard time getting pregnant uh, because her body was going through changes and she was looking different because she had been trying a lot of different therapies and hormone therapies. And she kept looking at me, you look so great and you look so young. And I said, I said, but you're, you're doing things that are going to make you look different because you're working to get pregnant. Long story short, she's Muslim, but she said, I'll take that Christian prayer. Come on and pray for me. So we met, in the, we met for lunch. And after lunch, we were in the parking lot of the restaurant. And I laid hands on her belly. And guess what? She had been struggling with getting pregnant for two years. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me a month later because we had not seen each other or spoken from that point of me laying hands on her. We were both busy. And I said, I told her, I said, you're going to get pregnant probably in a month or so. You'll be fine. She's like, okay, I want to believe you. And she said, are you sure? I said, I'm sure you're going to be pregnant. So fast forward, guess what happened? I called her and I said, you're pregnant. She goes, oh my God, I am. And I said, with twins. She goes, do you think? And I said, yes. She calls me back. She was pregnant with twins. Now the twins are like 11 or 12. So miracles, modern day miracles still happen. But I had witnessed that with my grandmother. My grandmother came from Alabama to visit one year. Uh, I, was, I was in uh, my freshman year of college and my parents' neighbor had a terrible time getting pregnant. At this point, she, this woman and her husband, they were in their 40s. You know, back then that was really old to get pregnant. That was like Sarah and Abraham, right? So my grandmother, she told my grandmother about it. And grandma said, come on over, baby, and we will pray for you when you're going to have a baby. And she said, okay. 
You know, she's this Roman Catholic white woman with this Southern black woman who towers over people and has a big presence that was going to pray for her to get a baby. So I think she was just like, at this point, I'll try anything. And you look pretty serious about this. So let's do it. Well, my grandmother prayed for her and she got pregnant. And not only did she get pregnant, because she could not get pregnant. They've been married over 20 years. They tried everything. She got pregnant back to back. So I witnessed the laying of hands and believing by faith that someone would get pregnant, and they did. So when my time came with my friend from work, I knew that God was able. But most recently, in the past year and a half, um, it's been almost, yeah, almost two years now, a little over a year and a half. My neighbor uh, who lives next door, I don't see them often, and they're also ministers. Um, the wife, some way, we ended up in our driveways at the same time, and she told me that she had been having miscarriages. I didn't know this. I knew that they had one beautiful little girl, and I'd see them periodically. Well, I said, really? She said, yes, I'm, I'm so discouraged, and I just want to give up. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. I said, okay. Well, when I pray for you, you're going to get pregnant within three weeks. So don't drink anything, you know, stay the course. And guess what? I never saw her again for months. So I didn't know anything, right? We don't have each other's number because we kind of have compounds, you know. And uh, oddly, the Holy Spirit kept having me run into the husband, who is the pastor. He's a pastor. I kept running into him. And he kept seeing me and I kept seeing him. I said, God, I've never seen this man this much as long as we've lived here. Why am I seeing him? But let me tell you why I kept seeing him. Because that his wife was pregnant after all those miscarriages. But his pride would not allow him to do it. Because he, although he was in ministry, he did not believe in the supernatural. So that baby is now a year old or so. I just so happened to run into her. I never saw her pregnant or anything because we never see each other, right? So I just happened to run into her while I'm jogging down the street. I'm coming back up and I see her and she has a baby in her arms and the little one that she already had. And I say, Wait, you had a baby? She goes, yes, I've been trying to catch up with you and I, I, I don't want to buzz you and bother you, but I got pregnant. Like three weeks after you told me, I, you laid hands on me and told me that I get pregnant. And the husband was standing there. And I looked at him and I said, look at the prophecy being fulfilled that the living God still works miracles. Well, thanks be to God. Wow. So this is a recent story. Mm -hmm. Do you think there was a piece there too, where maybe like not only does he not believe in the supernatural, but he's a little bit sort of envious of your gifts maybe too? Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I, I felt that too. I just didn't want to add that part. He may hear this podcast, but, uh, but, uh, but definitely yes, because we both have started ministries from scratch. We both are alumni of the same seminary. There's no reason why we should not be fellowshipping because I've always welcomed and said, you guys come over and have dinner. But I think he was envious of that because he, being the pastor and, the, and, and based on their family dynamic, the head of their household, and he couldn't remedy this. So it's not about me or him. It's about God and his works and God's power. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, I just love it. I could talk about miracles all day. And I think, um, I, I mean, they're just so amazing. And I, yeah, whenever I meet people that don't believe or that don't, um, I mean, everybody has the right to believe what they want, of course, but I just think like, oh, you're missing out on so much, you know, by not believing and not understand, like, what, it's like, oh my gosh, there's like all of this other stuff going on that you're missing. So that's why I love sharing these stories. But I, I, I would love you to share, because I, I remember you shared once on your page about, I think you said you were in a retreat with some other ministers and you all prayed and it was a help it was a it was an optimistic sort of prophecy about what was on the other side of this time for everyone do you remember that you said that you all prayed together and that after this like we would see a lot of positive changes eventually do you, do you remember that vaguely um i've been to a few now <laughs> but i will tell you that what i do discern is a couple of things are happening specifically in the body of Christ for those 
So even if you're not a Christian and you're listening, everyone's interested in what's happening in the church. Uh, based on the historical context of the church, the church crumbles every 500 years. The temple, right? It crumbled and it had to be rebuilt. And it crumbled and it had to be rebuilt. We're in that window of it being rebuilt. And remember, the, the, the church or its gathering never started in uh, a building. It started in homes. So nothing happens without God allowing it to happen. And perhaps we're getting back to the foundation of what our belief systems mean, whatever that is for someone who's listening. Uh, and that you have that connection with your source. And for us, belief for Christians is the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. When you have that connection with your source, it's not about a production. It's not about a choir that sings so great. It has everything to do with you and God, not all the other fluff. And as a result of that, people also who have been doing things that don't align with the will of God or God's intention for the body of Christ are now being exposed. It's like a purging process, and it's quite okay for this to happen. And, and this is when people must understand their faith should not be in man or woman. It should be in God. Uh, so there are a lot of people who are fighting and saying they're compromising our spiritual liberties that we can't gather. I, don't, I really don't see it that way because now I'm pushing our people at Rebirth Humanity, including yourself when you visit, uh, to connect with God in your home. Your home is supposed to be your, your sanctuary of worship. If you are involved in a ministry that gathers in a location, you're only there once to twice a week. What are you doing the other five days? You should be having a, a sanctuary and a worship space and a connection of prayer and meditation and devotional time with God in your own home. So I think this is getting us back to the basics. It's what I very much so believe. I also believe on the other side of this, many new beginnings are going to birth with the foundation of the same but it's going, not going to look like what they want it to look like. God is raising up new leaders. God is uh, allowing there to be greater connections and interfaith connections because uh, we, we, we want to separate or isolate ourselves. We, people have believed different things since the beginning of time. There's nothing new about that under the sun, but are we supposed to segregate ourselves from our sisters and brothers who don't believe what we believe? That's absolutely false. I don't agree with that. Uh, I grew up next door to a Jewish family. And we would have Christmas cup. We call it Christmas, you know, like Hanukkah Christmas. But, but you think about our friends who are in other countries. It was very common for them to engage with people of other faiths. It, was, it, it is, and it was, and it always will be. Um, I think uh, North America has a different perspective uh, that lacks. Uh, a greater worldview or lens. But on the other side of this, I truly believe there will be a lot of the things that are unclean and not upright are being purged out, are being exposed, they're being revealed, they're being removed. We can't come in together as unity and community if they aren't. And then there are those who say, well, that that belief system is Marxism or this or that. But, it, but we, we, we know that God wants us to love our neighbor. Uh, so what does that look like in communities of people who are different? How do we embrace one another despite our differences? How do we agree to disagree, but yet move forward for a better world for our children and their children? It's going to require purging. It's going to require difficulties. It's going to also require us in these tumultuous times finding common ground. So as much as people don't like the political things that have taken place, it probably was required to get us to where we are now. Uh, you know, in the Bible, they wanted a king, so they got a king. And I believe that we are now coming to the other side of it where we still will have more purging, more people being exposed, more systems being flushed out so that those who want to come in alignment with what's next will have the opportunity in the room to do so. A lot of great, fantastic leaders are going to be raised up during this time. We're going to see and hear a lot of new voices that we never 
heard of that are not going to look like us or sound like us or believe what we believe, but they will be they will be called in position to do a new work for the Lord. Oh, I love that. And that's one of the things I love about you too. Like, you know, you're such a strong Christian, but I just, I feel it that you're, you are accepting and open to other paths and other ways. And it's, it's the only way to be any other way. It defies logical sense. It's like, what are you going to do? All of these people exist. And I believe God created everything. God created all of these paths. And it's almost so that we can evolve as humans and learn to really commit to our path, whatever that is, and also be able to have respect and understanding and compassion and like fraternity, brothership, sistership with other people who don't, who aren't on our path. And that's totally okay. You know, and I, I'm very passionate about this because I have such deep, like my, my path. And it's interesting because I was raised no, like nothing. My parents didn't take us to church, nothing. So it's very interesting that I, my whole life is, is, you know, mm. since I was a teenager is very spiritual. And yet I have very strong connections to one of my teachers is Buddhist. Another one of my teachers is Hindu. I had a, like, I come to Jesus moment a few years ago. And I just, and ever since then, like, this is why I love coming to church and I love Jesus and I read the Bible and I love all of it. And I see so much goodness and so much overlap in, in, in everything too. All traditions are essentially saying the same thing. They're saying, be with God, love your neighbor, like do good deeds, like avoid certain behaviors that are not holy or not good. And yet they're just different semantics. So I think it's so important for us to learn to, to connect and respect and understand one another. Yeah. In Christianity, we believe Jesus is the only way uh, that he's the way, the truth and life. That's what he said in the word. Uh, but I still cannot discount someone else's truth or what they believe. I can share with them what I believe and my experiences with my relationship with Jesus. There are a lot of Muslims who love Jesus. Uh, you know, there, 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 uh, there are other Jew, Jews who love Jesus. I, I think it's it's uh, about your journey and your path. I know what works for me. I know what I believe. I know what my word says. But I'm not going to close the door on you or not welcome you to rebirth humanity for a gathering if you believe something different. You may find out our ways your way, but we respect where you are on your path uh, with what you believe. Um, I, I often say we don't know we only know what we believe and what, what our belief system says for us as Christians with the Bible. But what if we show up in heaven and we find out some other people are there that we didn't expect them to, you know, be uh, welcomed in? So I think love is the answer that we should love our neighbor. And uh, I, I allow God to make the final say with judgment because I don't have a heaven or hell to put anyone in. So uh, my job is just to share people and, and point people to the way. That's why I'm always alarmed by... Um, people who have an issue, the patriarchal structure of our society who don't believe that women should be leading or teaching or preaching. When tech, technically shepherds as us, we are not the shepherd. We are the under shepherd who are pointing the sheep to the shepherd, which is God. So we're not taking you anywhere. You're just, we're pointing you in the direction to go to help you get on the path of where you belong. Yeah, I love that. And it's true. It's always the last say is always with God too. So it's kind of that thing of just like, I, I love this expression. Like people talk about like minding your own business. Like that's sort of what it is. You know, if you find your path and it works for you, then great. And you can offer it to other people um, without coercing them and see, you know, maybe it works for them and, and maybe it doesn't. But I definitely think this world, uh, you know, most of our problems that we're dealing with are from a lack of God, whatever that, you know, whatever path that is. But it's just the ways of God. Because again, if you study religions, you will see these common themes that run through all of them. And so then what is lacking is that humans fail to act, like behave and act in ways that are godly ways. I think, you know, and love is really as cliche as it sounds, love is really the answer. Uh, and, and being a, a spiritual counselor and spiritual advisor, I believe because I work with Christian and Buddhist and atheists even, I mean, it's bizarre that agnostics and atheists show up to a reverend to receive spiritual counseling. They're like, something's off here with me and I need help. Uh, but what I found is that most problems have a spiritual foundation. Most problems do. And when we get to the root of the spiritual foundation that may have now triggered a psychological issue or an emotional issue or a physical issue, uh, we can resolve most of the world's problems because a lot of things are really spiritual uh, because we were, we, I believe we were something before we were a flesh because the Bible says that God knew us before we were in our mother's womb, which means we existed before we were in our mother's womb. Therefore, that spirit. 
So most problems are spiritual. And when we get to the heart of the matters related to spiritual issues, we can resolve many of the world's problems. And lack of love is a spiritual issue. Absolutely. And it's funny that you said like, oh, it's cliche, but love is the answer. So one of my you know, great teachers, who's a, a Hindu woman from India, they call her the hugging guru because she's hugged over 30 million oh. people. And she has a multi-million dollar charitable empire that she does projects for everything. But that's one of her big sayings is like, love is the answer. Love is the way. So again, there's like this crossover between, and it is the answer and it sounds cliche, but it, it's true. It is a lack of love and that there's so many roots to that. But, you know, part of that route is with, I mean, I, when I think back on my life, like before, again, because I wasn't really raised anything. Like right. we didn't, there was really no talk about anything to do with God for, for whatever reason, you know, but now I think I'm like, how do people live without some concept of, or connection with divine? I did for so long, but now that I know that, I just can't even imagine. I'm like, what, what, what do people do in their darkest moments? Because they happen as humans, no matter what. That's powerful. I'll tell you why, because uh, a friend of mine who is a very well-known person who I won't say their name because I counsel people who are celebrities and public figures, politicians, you name it. And uh, this particular person is a, is a celebrity and they are not, they don't believe in anything. And they said to me, uh, and I'm like, you're paying me for, to help you. Okay. <laughs> uh, they said to me, it takes a really strong person to stand on their own and believe in nothing. I thought, you sure are right. Because listen, I can't make it without God. <laughs> my darkest hours, God came to my rescue. I am sold out for Jesus. Sold out meaning like he has me sold uh, on, on his way because I've called on the name of Jesus and cried out to him in some of my darkest hours where my back was against the wall and I didn't know what the outcome would be. And I said, Jesus, if you're real, I need you to show up for me. Every time I cried out in the name of Jesus and said, show up for me, fight my battles, deal with my enemies. I need a breakthrough in this area. I need a miracle tomorrow. Jesus has answered. So I said to him, God bless you, you know, that you're so strong that you don't need a God through your life, but I certainly do. And as a result of my codependency, calling on the name of Jesus and depending upon him, he has shown up for me. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's a saying, I don't know if you've heard this. I don't, I don't remember who this came from um, initially, but there's this thing that, you know, the word ego stands for edge God out or ease God out. And I don't want to make assumptions about your client, but what it sounds like to me, oh, is, totally, totally. that is a very, um, that is the epitome of this individualistic thinking that we've cultivated in our culture, which is, oh, I can do everything myself. Like I don't need God. I don't need anything. So, I mean, I, I pray that, and, and who knows, maybe it's not their path to, to go down that and maybe this life for them and maybe their life is about that. Uh, <laughs> well, they're working with you. I, I look forward to hearing uh, about the transformation that occurs after spending some time with you. I don't think that will last for long. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I wonder about these people because I'm like, now, I, I, I know if you show up here, something's going to happen to you. And maybe you want it to happen because you're showing up. Uh, you've reached out to me. But I, I also want to add that, you know, I've had people, I don't like to use the word conversion because it's a journey, it's a process. It's everyone's spiritual journey. I've had people that were non-practicing Jews, Jew, uh, Jews who became Christian along the journey of working with me at the spiritual bomb. So it, it depends on the person and where they are. And I have Jew, Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, people who I've sent back to the temple. I'm like, you need to get back to the synagogue, honey. You've been gone too long, you know? So it depends on the person and where they are. But it, you, you said something really powerful about community. I think during this time we're in right now, especially in the midst of a pandemic, God is reminding us of the importance of community. Even for, for Christians, you know, I make a lot of Christian references because I'm a, a pastor. Um, Christianity was, when you look at the historical context of Christianity, it was never an individual. Jesus Christ is my Lord and personal Savior. We added that. That's a westernized thing, okay? So, and, and from a historical context in the Bible, Christianity was a community thing. So if you got saved, everybody in the family got saved. Like if the dad got saved, the whole family became Christian. So that's why initially children were started off being baptized as babies. Because when one person in the family, the head of the family became Christian, everybody was Christian. Therefore, everybody else who was born was baptized. 
as a child. But now as we've evolved to the Protestant perspective, now you get to decide on whether you want to be baptized as an adult because it's your conversion process or your transformation, right? So the point of that is the origin of Christianity was always about community, but we have made it all and then the evolution of those who believe everything is about them and God is not included. <laughs> yeah, that's a real, that's like a, that's its own sort of epidemic, you know? And I, and I, <laughs> and I pray that those people, cause I, I mean, like, as you know, I, I'm the same, you know, the, God has been there for me in my darkest hours. There have been so many things throughout my life, like like I should not be alive today. I won't get into it, but like many times over, and I'm like, what was that? It's like, it's it's God. That's my only that's my only explanation. It's just God. God is there in your and even if you don't know God, even if you have never cried out for God before in in your life, God will still show up for you. You know, it's not like God's like, Oh, like keeping track. Like, Oh, you didn't pray for me until now. I'm not going to hear you. No, there's actually some really powerful stories about people who never believed anything and then had a near death experience or had some mm-hmm. sort of, you know, uh, miraculous experience that changed them forever. And this is so powerful. I, I believe that. And I believe during these times, the living God wants us to connect in community and find strength in each other. But with God as the source, we, we need one another. We were created to serve one another, uh, to love one another, to cherish one another. And but God created us in God's image. Right. So that means God loves all people, not just Christians or this group or that group. Uh, Some of us have accepted a relationship with God, but God created all of humanity to love humanity. Absolutely. Oh, this is, I just love this about you. <laughs> just, uh, there was another church group that I was going to, and it was so funny. Like every time myself or somebody else would walk through the door, the pastor would like literally like make a crack about something to do with maybe yoga or something that we do. He knows that we do that is not you know, Christ-like in his. And like, every time that happened, I was like, you just lost me there because you're showing me that you don't have acceptance for other people and what they're doing. And it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's equivalent to, and I and thank you for bringing that up. You know, some people say, oh, do you do this or that? I was a gymnast. So Pilates and yoga are like family. You know, they kind of are like cousins, right? Uh, so I, I really believe yogi is is a form of religion you know that is a form of practice of a religious practice for some but the stretching of yoga i don't see as a compromising scenario with christianity depends on what you're doing if you're a christian and you don't want to practice being a yogi then don't practice being a yogi Uh, But if you're deciding to stretch and breathe, I think you'll be okay. But everyone has different perspectives and views on that. There are Christians who do Christian yoga. Uh, Everyone has a different walk. I, I, I believe it's equivalent to the young woman who shows up at church and or the young man who in today's world, uh, who wears a really short dress and is super short and we can see everything. And as she keeps coming to a worship gathering, the Lord begins to work on her and transform her from the inside out. And then the hem of those dresses get a little bit longer. I think you have to meet people where they are on the journey. And perhaps if you are spreading the love of Jesus and meeting them where they are and sharing the good news, maybe the spirit will begin to do the work and giving the spirit room to do the work. They may see that yoga no longer fits their connection with God. Uh, of how they needed to be because some people may never get to that place or they don't see the need. I think God works on different people at different stages where they are, but the challenge with some worship gatherings and in congregations is they expect everyone to be on the same level at the same time, which is not reality, not even in loving relationships. One person may be in love and the other person is still warming up the car, you know? So we have to reach people. I truly believe uh, that's what makes the ministry side of what I do so different. We, we reach people where they are. There was a time where um, I looked up in our church and uh, there were no women there. I said, oh my God, I'm preaching to all men. You know, but you would say, oh, they're just there to hit on you. No, they were all under 30. They were all young men between they 20 probably and thought you were too. 
No, <laughs> they, they, they no, they saw my son and knew, you know, but, but they were looking for something different. And there was a season in our church where well, half of the people were gay um, or LGBTQ. I think you just reach people, meet people where they are. I, I'm not asking them who they're laying with. I'm preaching the word of God and giving the Holy Spirit room to work. And what they decide to welcome in is up to them and God on the journey. It's not my responsibility to tell them how to live their life. It's my responsibility to teach and preach the gospel and welcome everyone and give the Holy Spirit the room to work. See, the problem is people want to become God or force things upon people. And then that's when they don't stick or last. Mm, yeah. And like, um, just coming back to it, sort of full circling back to what we were talking about at the beginning is it comes down to being obedient to God and to the Holy Spirit. So God might say to one Christian, Hey, go do yoga. Yoga's fine for you. Explore that. Or go, even though you're a Christian, like go study a little bit about Buddhism or, or Islam or whatever, just so that you know. And, and so we don't know, again, we don't know God is God, right? God is bigger than all of us in our human sense. So um, that comes down to, again, the personal relationship and then people listening to the message that comes for them. And then us having the wisdom not to, not to interfere with that, because I think that's what happens with a lot of leaders and not just in Christianity, in any, um, any leader that has power has the potential to impose their will on to somebody else. So I think that's really the struggle of anyone in leadership. And we see that a lot more with men. You, yeah, you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> Your face is like, uh-huh. And I think, you know, coming out of these sort of more patriarchal times that we've been in, I really look forward to seeing a lot more women leaders and or male leaders who embody more feminine qualities that are not so much about forcing things upon people and just sort of like your philosophy, like allowing people to have their own journey with what they're going through. Because mm -hmm. it, it, it just our relationship with God is personal, first of all. So how do I get to impose on your thing with God? Because I want you all to have your own love affair. And I'm just here to help kind of facilitate and go, go on, get on with it. Connect with God, you know. Uh, but I do believe that uh, we, in patriarchal, in, in a patriarchal infrastructure, specifically in, in Ecclesia of the Ministry, you, you find that people start to, think that if it's not forced upon them, like, is this, is that really Christian? Cause she's like really chill about it, you know? Um, but, but when you push people in a direction where they're not ready to be, then they feel, um, they feel intru it's intrusive. The Holy Spirit is not intrusive. So why would we be intrusive? That, that's not how God works. Uh, and if we trust the process, and allow ourselves to surrender to the process and, and surrender to whatever we're doing in the process to lead people, uh, then it's a better process. But I think what happens, and this is a little different subject, but there are so many Christian leaders who commit suicide every year. You, you see this, this, the, a lot of pastors, if you look at the data, a lot of pastors, there, there was an influx of pastors who were committing suicide or there, or there studies show that, believe it or not, there's an issue with, pastors and pornography, all these things. What's happening is they're trying to intrude. They're putting too much on themselves and not submitting and surrendering people to God. So that's why spiritual wellness for all leaders, whether whatever faith you're in or whatever, if you're in business or a leader in your household, spiritual connection and spiritual wellness is imperative, especially during these dark times, because you won't feel responsible for someone else's journey or the lack thereof, whether it's your children, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your staff or your coworker or the people you lead at work, or it's the little league kids or, or the, you know, the soccer, soccer scenario where you're the head soccer mom, uh, you can surrender people and give them to God give them to God. So what happens in a congregation dynamic is the leader starts imposing, like you said, those, those masculine qualities of pushing and forcing and demanding because they believe that their own success is tied to another person's decision. So I say, God be God with this because when I went down the journey of, of, of starting this ministry will be four years this year, next in a couple of weeks, actually. Um, I began to define my success by how many people showed up. But I had to take account for all the people in Hollywood 
who never come to our service, but I'm their pastor. Or the people at the grocery store or the, the, the drug store uh, or the restaurant that when I go in every week or the park, I minister to them or they ask for prayer. They see me as their pastor. So my decision to no longer attempt to impose what I believe on people also set me free to allow God to be God. And I think when leaders decide, wherever you are, your journey as a leader, decide to allow God to be God in the process for your people, for yourself, then you can live in the comfort of I am enough what I'm doing. That, that's, that's what it's really about, especially during a pandemic uh, where you're like trying to control the outcomes of things. And we clearly know after 2020 that nobody controls anything. Okay, so let the control go and surrender everything to God. And you'll have more peace and feel more uh, adequate. We, we, we deal with inadequacy because, again, we want to control the outcome. We can only do our part of what is required of us, but surrender the bigger things to God. I had a person who, would, who just, it was so difficult to work with them in our ministry. And then one day I was like, what am I doing? I have to give this person to God. And that's when everything turned around for them. And they got off of the drugs and got the help they needed. And it was a beautiful transformation, but it also transformed me. Yeah, that's been a, like, we're, we're sort of running out of time here. I could talk to you forever. I'd love to have you back again. But uh, um, yeah, that's a, that's a big one for, for so many people is like this let go and let God. So please, uh, thank you so much. I would love to have you back again. I love talking to you. And please let everyone know where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. I think I'm there the most uh, at Lesela. That's at L-E-S-E-L-A. H, or you can visit our website, spiritualbombbalm.com, if you ever need some spiritual counseling or soul care sessions. Um, but you can also visit us on Sunday um, at Rebirth Humanity. So at Rebirth Humanity. But if you follow me at L-E-S-E-L-A-H, you can find all that information there. And I'm also available via text for people who need guidance or advice uh, because God is always mindful of all of his children. And uh, he hears every prayer. Absolutely. That's uh, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, she's the real deal, everybody. <laughs> the real woman of God right here. Thank you so much for joining us today. I just know everyone's going to have so much benefit from everything that you shared. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.